0: So let's turn again to John the 10th chapter and Psalm 23, John 10 and Psalm 23, and I'm going to pray a prayer again before we read, and I am believing for some things, amen, for you and for the church. The Lord's blessed us with invitations, I could go a lot, but, uh. I take going to a place very seriously. I don't go just because I might like the countryside or state. I don't go just because I might like the pastors. I don't go uh, for money. Made up my mind a long time ago I'm not going to make any decisions based on that. But uh, I believe that God is doing business in his church. Amen? Amen. There are, some, there, there are some times and places that I just don't feel like that I am the one that's to, to bring the thing for the people of that place. It's no reflection on me or, or them. It's just my, I'm not the one. Do you know that uh, some people are not ready for you? <laughs> there are some folks that are just not ready for you. <laughs> some of your relatives are not ready for you. And you need to have enough discernment to realize that and not try to make God use you for them anyway. There are other people besides you that God can use to reach your sister or your brother. Did you hear me? And you need to learn when to be quiet. And when to pray and ask God to send a laborer across their path and realize that you ain't it. You're not that he can use you on somebody else. Amen. Amen. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or them. It just means it's not God's choice. The body of Christ is big. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of gifts in the body. I know there's been a few times, not very often, but I remember one time in particular, Phyllis and I were were coming from a a meeting on the airplane, and I looked at her and I said, you know, I don't feel like this was a good investment because uh, when we got there and you could tell Uh, they they didn't say it, but it was like, oh, are we having a meeting? I forgot about that. And, you know, some people have more meetings than they should. They just have something to be having something and don't put much into it. You're better off having fewer things but putting more into it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Than just having a bunch of stuff. Uh, That's true with your confession. That's true with your prayer life. Don't just throw a bunch of them out there and hope some of them stick. If you'll be more selective in your praying, you'll be more effective. If you'll be more selective in your confessions, you'll be more effective. Don't just, don't just claim stuff off the top of your head. Look at it. Think about it. Get it in your spirit. Then when you know that you know that I'm going to claim this and I'm going to stand as long as it takes and I'm not getting, getting off, then release your faith and then stand as long as it takes. But uh, I believe that there's something supposed to happen. Sometimes you see some of it and sometimes you don't. Sometimes things happen deep down inside people. And you don't see it at that moment, but their life will be different. They're set on a different course now. And it'll come out. In John the 10th chapter, we'll review just a little bit for those of you that were not with us. John 10. The scripture said, verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives us life for the sheep. We spent some time this morning talking about how that, you know, the enemy comes, and he never comes except he's coming to steal something, or to kill something, or to destroy something. So if there was anything in your life, or anybody you know, that was stolen, or that was killed, or that was destroyed, do we know who did it? There's a lot of, there are a lot of Christians confused about this. But do we know who does the killing, and the stealing, and the destroying? But even though the enemy tries to come and do these things, what did Jesus say? I am come. So if he's come, then if you'll let him come and do what he wants to do, then the enemy will be shut out. Jesus said, I am come. Why? Not just so that you'd be saved from hell. Thank God for that. But that's not what he said. What did he say? I am come that you might have life. Glory to God. The Zoe God quality of life—not just living, existing forever, but living as God lives—the life of God. I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. Now that's what we really were camping on this morning, and there were several hands that went up that you you weren't with us this morning. So let me remind you or tell you that is, if you're not aware of what this word means. This life more abundantly. One definition says it means exceeding number, measure, rank, or need. Abundance is above what you need. It's all you need and in some. Right? You can't say it's abundance if it was just what you needed. Over and above more than is necessary. Super added Strong says it like this. He says it's from the word that means beyond. It means superabundant in quantity, superior in quality, and by implication, it means excessive. Excessive. Everybody say excessive. (laughs) Do you believe in excess? If you don't, then you don't believe in what Jesus came to do. I am come that you might have excessive life. That's not a stretch. That's an exact meaning of what that says. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have excessive life. Glory. Now the devil being a thief and being a liar. It's amazing how bound up and how confused he's had so much of the body of Christ for years. Until some people think that being a Christian is being synonymous with being stingy. And call it good stewardship. (laughs) Call it using wisdom. And live a Spartan. Barely get along, meager existence, struggle along, and then say, well, you know, the Lord didn't promise to He'd give us everything we want. He said He'd meet our needs, and after all, we may not know what we need. <laughs> and then just all these kind of men's ideas, religious, not God, not the Bible, but man's religion ideas, that justify why people live on such a low level. And yes, I'm talking about money, and yes, I'm talking about things, but I'm talking about a lot more than that. He said life excessive. Excessive life. That's all you need, and a lot more besides. Amen? Do you believe that the God that you believe in and serve is a God of abundance? Is he? Amen. A God of more than enough. Amen. Then what kind of person are you supposed to be? In your dealings with others. Hmm? Tithe with a calculator. Hip with a calculator. <laughs> Would y'all quit laughing that? <laughs> the scripture says in Proverbs the liberal soul shall be made fat. He's not talking about overweight, he's talking about fat bankroll, fat bank account. Amen. Loaded. But what kind of person qualifies for these kind of blessings? Now, liberal soul is not just what you do, it's what you are. God is liberal. He sends his rain on the just and the unjust. Some people have misquoted that as though it was some kind of a curse. Yeah, he rains on the good and bad of life. No, rain is a blessing. (laughs) I said, rain is a blessing. It's amazing how God will send his rain on people that worship the devil. He'll water their tomato plants too. You know why? He's not stingy. He's a good God. I said, he's a good God. He's good even to the ungodly, even to the unthankful. And the more we see him and the closer to him we get, we take on his characteristics. We become more like him. We, 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 we're not so judgmental and you don't have to jump through hoops for us to do anything for you. We'll, you, you don't have to meet you know, meet all the criteria. We'll bless you even though you messed up. Amen. We'll love you. Let you eat with us even though you act like a heathen. Amen. How many know what I'm talking about? So I said, "Well, that waitress gave me bad service. She doesn't deserve a tip. Well, give her an offering. <laughs> well 10 percent is only this amount. Yeah, I wonder, what in the world she would do with those extra two dollars? <laughs> See, people are stingy. So many people are stingy and they blame it on, you know, well, Brother Keith, I, I don't make much money and, and, and it's hard for me to come up with money. Well, you said it. Hmm? You'll believe it's hard for you to get it. So therefore, it's hard for you to give it. And as hard or as easy as it is for you to turn it loose is as hard or easy as it is for God to give it to you. Your receiving faith is directly connected to your giving faith. It's true. I didn't intend to get into this, but but go to Luke. I'm actually getting ahead of myself. It wouldn't hurt you to hear it twice, though, would it? I'll just, maybe tomorrow night, just preach it to you like you didn't even hear it. And just, So if I do, don't think I've got a bad memory. I just want to tell you again. Luke 6. You probably have it marked. Verse 38. Luke 6, 38. You like it? I like it. What's the first word? Make confessions. Huh? Huh? Make confessions and abundance will overtake you. It takes more than making confessions. Well, I am claiming a new car. I am claiming to pay off my house. I am claiming money for investments. I am claiming, I am claiming. Well, that's all great and good, but what have you sown? Have you sown? You see, be like a farmer sitting on the porch saying, I'm going to have a bumper crop. On four hundred acres of bottom land and yes sir. you say, Well what'd you plant down there? Well, I haven't planted anything yet. <laughs> Isn't it always sowing and reaping. Seed time and harvest. Does it ever is it ever harvest and, and seed time? How does it start? It's not reaping and sowing, what is it? Sowing and reaping. So if you've sown nothing, then you've got nothing to confess over. That wasn't as popular as the first things I said. <laughs> well, then you're not going to like to this, uh, this next thing I'm about to say either. <laughs> What's the first word? Tell me. These are Jesus words. I didn't write this. What did you? Give. So how do you start this whole thing off? How do you start it off? Give, give, give. give. So give, impart, deposit, release. Amen. And tell me, what, what did he say would happen after that? And it shall be given to you. Now, now skip down to the uh, very last phrase of this verse because we're going to be looking at some other things in here before it's over with but what did he say for with the same measure that you meet with all it shall be measured to you again Jesus said it. it that's the way it happens he's talking about giving how does it come back to you it comes back to you according to the measure that you gave. Now, I was studying this at one point, and then the Lord, this, some years ago, I was so broke, I couldn't see straight, and, and seeking the Lord earnestly, and uh, He began to help me. But now, you know, you got to be serious with God. Because so the first, some of the first things He did was showed, revealed to me things I knew, things I preached, that I wasn't really doing. And you know again and again and again, that's what it boils down to. You're not doing what he told you to do. When something's not working, you can just pretty much count as something you're not doing. Because God cannot fail. His word cannot fail. And one of the things he brought me to was this. He said, son, you want to, I'm talking about in a time of prayer, I didn't hear an audible voice, but inside me distinctly. He said, son, you want to get to the larger increments. You've been dealing with ones and fives. (laughs) and tens and once in a while a (laughs) twenty what are y'all laughing about you ain't never been there I didn't come up rich I don't know about you I, I came up poor poor I know what poor is and I don't like anything about it there's not one thing I learned going up poor I couldn't have learned easier being rich don't you give me this well you learned a lot coming up? I don't believe it. No, sir, no ma'am. There there is no there are no redeeming qualities about poverty. No, none. 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 Don't tell me you can't serve God with money. You can pray. Oh, you can pray and praise God in a new Mercedes. You can, you can ride down the road in climate control. And it's quiet so all that stuff don't bother you. You can praise God, man. You can, you can worship God and get revelation on a boat. Out in the lake. Yes, you can. Don't Tell me you can. You can hear from God. And just get caught up in the glory. In your swimming pool. You can. You can. You don't have to live like the devil. Because you have something. Now friends, I hope you're hearing me. And I hope you don't turn me off. Because... This, these are the things that are keeping God's people out of stuff. They got these, these, these mentalities, these blocks, and they don't say it, but they believe that there's something godly about being broke. That they believe that, you know, well, we're closer to God than those rich people, though. I mean, they... You know, people, if you have something nice, people generally assume... You did something wrong. I Some years ago, I, I've always liked cars. And some years ago, the Lord helped me to get a, uh, a really nice Corvette convertible. Now, people might see it and think, well, look at that preacher. You know, he probably took up an offering from widow women and went out and to- bought that... Wouldn't know how I got it. The, the truth is, the Lord blessed me in such a way, I paid less for it than most people did their uh, low-end other kind of little economy car. So anyway, I drove, I was out blowing some leaves off the road, having a good time, and, and I pulled into this place, and it was, a, it, it was you know, a sharp-looking car. And I pulled into this place, and there was, there was two girls in there, And when I was paying for the gas, one of them said, "Ooh, that's a sharp car." Said, uh, "What do you do?" And the other, the other girl that was crossway, she said, "I bet he sells drugs." (laughs) I said, "I don't sell drugs." She looked at me like, "Yeah, I bet you do." And the other one said, "He probably buys drugs." They got me off here. I got to be a bad guy. I said, no, I'm a preacher. So then the one hollered, come out here, you ain't going to believe this. Why do people think that in order to have certain things, you got to be a bad guy? You got to must done something wrong. Don't believe God could bless you. Don't believe the Lord could do something for you, could give it to you. And these kind of blocks and this kind of thinking is what holds people in a low level of life and at a subsistence level, financially and materially. The Lord said to me, he said, you've been, you've been operating in fives and tens. And I had ones and fives and tens and sometimes a twenty. Have you ever, you ever wanted to do something that cost five dollars and couldn't do it? I've been there. Ever been half a nostril above water? You know what I'm. I've been there. I mean, any any more, and I'm gone. And you were barely making it anyhow, and then you got behind. Well, you were barely making it. Just make now. How are you gonna make it and catch up? And, and, you know, we're laughing, and it's funny in a way, but in a way it ain't funny. I mean, people's marriages are stressed over this, and there's anxiety and, and strife in the home, and it's terrible. It is no, there's nothing of God in it. Poverty's not of God. A little bit or a lot. You know what the extreme of poverty is? The extreme of poverty, poverty means lack insufficiency. We're talking about more than enough. What is poverty? Not enough. The the extreme of poverty is not having enough to keep yourself alive, dying from starvation. That's poverty. But a little bit of poverty would be not having enough to make a payment on time. Well, it's the same stuff, just different measures of it, just different degrees of it. And you need to make up your mind We love poor people. We hate poverty. Won't you say it out loud? We love poor people. We hate poverty. What about sickness? We love sick people. We hate sickness. You've got to be strong in your spirit about it. Because what you put up with, you're going to have. That's where a breakthrough in my life came. I got to the place I had gone to Rama. I was, I was in the early days of my ministry. And we were struggling. We were so strapped. We were so tight month after month, year after year. And I knew it wasn't right. I could see it in the Word. I'd heard it. I'd preached it. But some way or another, I wasn't living it. And finally, one day, I remember distinctly, I came in and and, and shut the door in our little house and fell across the bed and cried out to God. I mean, I'm weeping. I said, God, this is not right. I mean, here these people have these projects and things going on in the church, and I want to give, and I don't have enough to pay my electric bill. It's not right. And it's not your fault, and I know it. Help me. What am I not doing? What am I not seeing? Have mercy on me, and I really, sincerely cried to him with all my heart. Amen. What the Bible say would happen when you do that? He will answer you, yeah. and he did. And he started teaching me. It seemed like for five years he was showing me something every day about this area that was changing. I'm still getting light, but not as intense as during those first five years. And again and again, it was something I knew but wasn't really doing. Wasn't doing it consistently, wasn't doing it as a way of life, wasn't committed to it. Well, this is about the second or third thing he talked to me about right here in this verse. He said, son, you want to you get to the larger increments, you want to get to the hundreds, you want to get to the thousands, you want to get to the tens of thousands. He said, I said, in the measure you meet, it'll be measured to you. What does that mean? You sow in ones? How does it come back? So I don't know if I believe that. that's what he said. I know I know a five. Five ones make a five. But when you sow in ones, what do you get multiplied back to you? One. Ones. Which would explain a lot of things, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, most of the church is made up of dollar givers. I didn't say this church. <laughs> man, it got quiet, Pastor. Oh, whoo! Now if you sow in ones How are you going to reap Did I say that Or did Jesus say that What if you sow in fives I know that four fives make a twenty But it's still multiplied fives Right I didn't say if you sow a five You get a five You get fives Fives up Multiplied Hmm? But you don't sow in fives And get multiplied thousands that's not the way it works. So you sow according to where you are and you sow according to your faith. And the, the thing that the Lord has to minister to us through is the opening of our heart. And if you've got a narrow, constricted, stingy heart and it's hard for you to give, then it is also hard for you to receive. And in that case, it's hard for the Lord to get something to you. Not for him to do it. It's just hard for him to get through to you. And you'll find that there will be different times in your life where there's breakthroughs. God will deal with you to do something. It might be in church. It might not be in church. But he'll deal with you to to give that thing or to sow that thing. And it'll be the biggest gift you've ever done. And you'll run up against your choking place. Huh? If, you, if you hadn't been there, you hadn't come far. I'm telling you. I've been there again and again and again and again. And after a while, it gets easier because it begins to be a way of life to you. After a while, you quit thinking about it so much. And you just, I mean, he's been faithful and faithful and faithful and faithful and faithful. And when he says, clean out the account, you've done it before. And you knew what happened. Amen. And so you do it. You do it. So we saw this, and immediately we began committing to ministries we uh, were given in our church, but we also supported ministries five dollars a month. That's where we were. And you know, it hadn't happened before, but people started coming up and giving us 10s and, and 20s and, and a 50. Well, that's multiplied fives. Hmm? And then we bumped it up. It took a year, everybody say a year? A year. But then we bumped it up to 25 a month. Well, immediately we saw an increase in the, the increments, the measure. See, whatever measure you sow in. And for the first time, we begin to see hundreds more frequently. Amen. So 20 has only got to be multiplied just a few times, what, five times? And you got 100. And then we started sowing. Everybody say another year 50 a month. Amen. And then you know we started seeing gifts like two hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars. Then we started sewing five hundred at a pop. Yeah, right. yeah. Glory, to Glory to God. Then we started seeing a five thousand dollar check at one time. Yeah. Yeah. Glory yeah. to God. Eventually got up to where we sewing a thousand a month yeah. on different things, yeah. oh, yeah. and you're seeing checks like fifty thousand yeah. oh, yeah. at a time. Yeah. 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 That'll make you smile, won't yeah, it? Yeah. Somebody said, man, wish that happened for me? And and, and and here people, you know, just do not believe that God could do it for them. They said, well, you're a preacher. And people see you and know you. I was a preacher for years and it wasn't happening. I know lots of preachers it ain't happening for. Them. This is not a preacher thing. This is not preacher verse. He didn't say preachers. Give. It works for everybody. Amen. If you want to get into the larger increments of of income, then you have to get into the larger increments of sowing. And you have to have a vision for that. And you might not be able to do where you want to do today, but just start where you are and keep increasing. Have a vision. Sit down at the end of the year and agree with your wife or husband and say, All right, we're going to double this by the end of the year. We're putting our faith on this. We're going to increase this. Amen. And I'm telling you, I'm standing before you testifying about what the Lord has done for us. How He brought us out. Amen. Amen. And how He's enabled us to do things. And I mean, it, it, it makes you happy. It, it, it makes you smile when you can sit down and write a check. Yeah. Write a check yeah. for 50000 yeah. yeah. And put it in the church. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Now that's a blessing, yeah, it is. isn't it? Yeah. But you don't get there by sowing in ones. You, you start in ones. But then, as God blesses you, you increase. You increase. You increase. And it takes faith. Amen. Amen. The liberal soul be made fat where it's free in your heart. Amen. I want you to go back to the Psalms Psalm 23. Why did Jesus come? Tell me again. Came to give us life. And that more abundantly, that word means superabundance. Dr. Strong said it means by implication excessive. Jesus came to give us excessive life. Life excessive. We saw here in Psalm 23. He said he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. What did he go on to say? You anoint my head with oil and my cup. Hmm? My cup is about half full. My cup is right up to the brim. Hmm? So we asked the very significant question this morning. Does the Lord know When the cup is full. Does he know? Does he know when to quit pouring then? Why wouldn't he quit pouring? When the cup is full. Because to him. Enough is not enough. To him full is not. It's not enough to him until it's excessive. Because that's who and what he is. He likes blessing his kids. He likes ministry. He delights in showing mercy, Micah says. And he, 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 it makes him happy when, when it starts dribbling over the side. And you're going, okay, Lord, it's full. He says, I know, I know. And he just keeps pouring it. And you go, Lord, Lord, it's, uh, it's going all over the table. He said, I know, I know. And he just keeps pouring. That blesses him. That's who and that's what he is. Now, we mentioned and said that there are three levels... That people live on. Everybody's at one of these levels. The one level is not enough. And there's I mean you know. If you've traveled much too. You've seen there is so much of the world. That lives in abject poverty. And it's not God. Not enough. But then there's the level of just enough. You're making it. You're paying your bills, barely. Nothing, you know, you, you're not lacking. You've got enough, but you don't have anything left over either. Is that the perfect will of God? And yet many people that have come from the, the not enough, they're just enough, they think they've gotten where God wants them to be. And thank God that you've come up from not enough. But we're not where God wants us to be until we come on up to the more than enough, to the excessive. Now, this is so clearly portrayed in God's dealings with his people, Israel. First Corinthians ten eleven tells us that the things that happened to them happened as examples for us. And you will see it that those those three levels were perfectly revealed. In Egypt, in the wilderness, and in Canaan's land. Do you understand and do you believe that these things are types for us? We're to learn from this. And God's dealings with them revealed what the fullness we have now in the church. In Egypt, they had not enough. They didn't own anything. They didn't own themselves. They were the property of others. They didn't own their own clothes. They didn't own the shacks they lived in. They were slaves. But God brought them out. I said he brought them out. Amen. Can God bring you out of slavery? I mean, being in debt over your head is slavery. Right? Right? Every, every dime you make working for somebody else, trying to pay somebody else and do this. I mean, that's bondage. Even though you might be technically free, you're a slave. Every th- I mean, the Bible says the borrower is servant to the lender. Is it God's perfect will for you to work all your life just for somebody else? Never have anything, never increase? And you know, we're supposed to work hard and we're supposed to be diligent. But you know, it takes more than that. There's people who work hard, work two and three jobs and four jobs, and just break themselves down physically and never have anything. It's not the will of God. And, And the way it changes is it starts inside you. In what you see and what you believe, that's God's will for you. God delivered them out of Egypt and he, when he brought them forth the psalmist said there was not one feeble among their tribes and he brought them forth with silver and with gold but he led them through the wilderness he did not intend for them to stay out there for decades he did intend for them to go through he could have led them an easier way But he intended for them to learn faith lessons and to pass faith tests. To be qualified for the blessings that he had already arranged for them. But they failed those tests. And they refused to walk by faith. And they cried. And they feared. And they confessed death and lack. We're all going to die out here. Even after he had delivered again and again and again, they would not learn the faith lessons. They refused it. And they didn't pass the test. And in God's things, when you don't pass the test, guess what? You get to take it again. Hmm? And when you don't pass it for 10 years in the wilderness, guess what? You get to take it again. And you can gripe and you can say, God, why are you keeping me out here so long? But he intended that you had been in Canaan's land nine years ago. This is a type of the church. Most of the church is in the wilderness. I'm talking about the wilderness level of life. God brought them out of Egypt praise God, got saved out of darkness into light, no longer servant to sin, no longer serving Satan, delivered, but then brought into the wilderness. In the wilderness, they lived day to day, didn't they? No, you couldn't see where it was coming from for tomorrow. You couldn't save up what you had today. He gave them the manna test. That was not by accident. And you know they flunked tests again and again and again. He said "All right, I'm going to rain manna down. And you go out and pick it up. So he did. And they did. And the Bible said that no matter how much they all gathered. Nobody was lacking. And nobody had too much. I mean you see that in 2 Corinthians 9 or so. He repeats it. So if they didn't have too little and they didn't have too much, what'd they have? Just enough. enough. Was that the will of God? Just a temporary thing for them to learn some some faith and pass some tests so that they'd qualified to go into the next phase. Which is Canaan's land, the land that flows with milk and honey. The land of too much. So then he says, all right, you know, uh, go out on, he said, don't don't try to save it. Don't try to store any of it. But some of them did. And it bred worms and stank. And he said, don't go out on the Sabbath day. I'm going to give you twice as much on the day before. But don't go out the next. But they did. Flunk in the tests. Flunk in the tests. Now, this applies directly to us. We've got to learn to walk by faith. There are times when the Lord says, Put some aside. Amen. Other times where he says, turn it all loose. Hmm? Sow this, give this, save this. Give, don't give. Turn it loose. He wants us to be led by the Spirit, and he wants us to, be, to operate in faith. And if you don't learn these lessons, then you get to take them again. You come through the drive through You bought something. You gave them a ten. They give you back a twenty and some change. You drive around the corner and say, Glory to God. The Lord's blessing me. <laughs> You're flunking a test. You gotta take it again. It's holding you back. I remember one of the first tests that I had, I was still in Bible school. And really learning about finances, learning how to believe God, needed everything, needed a pair of shoes desperately. We're supposed to be trying to dress a little better and look like ministers, and my shoes were just sad. But that's all I had. And uh, so I prayed and I claimed money to buy shoes. And lo and behold, in a period of just a, a couple of weeks or so, somebody sent me in the mail, unrequested. Shoe money. $50. Man, I was happy. I went to school that day to prayer school, and boy, I could pray that day. And I had the victory. Praise God. There was a young man that was speaking in the afternoon and after prayer school. He'd been speaking through that week in healing school. He hadn't been in the ministry that long. And I had been listening to him, staying there afterwards and hearing him. And and. uh, While I'm laying on the floor there praying, the Spirit of God dealt with me. He said, call this young man's name. He said, he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. (laughs) And I said, well, Lord, I'll I'll hook up with him and believe with him. I mean, I I could encourage him because I know you met my needs and I know you'll meet his needs too. (laughs) <laughs> now tell me what's going on anybody know what's going on here and see it really is a test when you had not got much i mean you and so many people they're going to do all these great things when they get ahead but right now i just don't have enough i can't do anything and so they won't obey god and so they stay there year after year make another circle in the wilderness I kept praying. It came up in my spirit again. He's believing me for a pair of brown, specific brown shoes. I thought, well, Lord, thank you for meeting his needs. Thank you. I'll just, I'll just hook my faith with his. And this happened, I don't know, two or three or four times. And, and finally it came up in my heart. He's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Won't you sow Him your shoe money and believe me and I'll take care of you and I'll multiply shoes to you. Well, I I have to be honest with you. I didn't know the voice of God as well then as I just learned Him. I rebuked the devil. (laughs) I should have known the devil ain't trying to put no shoes on a preacher. But I, I, you know, God's met my needs. The devil's trying to trick me and steal my money. I rebuke you. I rebuke you. But finally, I got quiet again, and it came up again in me just so gently, you know. He's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Sew him your shoe money, and I'll take care of you. And I thought, that's not the devil. That's the same Holy Ghost that led me here to school and talks to me every day from the Word and, so I said, all right, okay, all right, all right. Lord, you want me to give him that shoe money? I will give it to him. Okay, fine. So I, I went to the service, and I listened to him. And all the time I was listening, I was looking at his shoes. I thought. Oh, his shoes look pretty good to me. They look a lot better than what I got on. So he needs a brown pair. I only got one pair. He's got multiple pairs, but I' saying that's got nothing to do with it. Nothing. People think it does that they, they walk by sight. You're not to be led by needs. Because even though somebody might desperately need something, that doesn't mean they're believing God. That doesn't mean God's dealing with you to do something about it. Don't be led by needs, don't be led by opportunities. Be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. And so, after the service, I went up and I, I spoke to him. I said, uh, are you believing God for some brown shoes? <laughs> he said, say what? I said, are you believing God for some brown shoes? And, and he said, uh, just stand right there. I didn't know what was up. He ran grabbed his wife. He brought her over there. He said, tell her what you told me. And I said, I just want to know if you're believing God for some brown shoes. They both started shouting. They said, it wasn't but an hour and a half or so ago. Right inside the speaker's room, we joined hands and asked the Lord for a pair of brown shoes and agreed together, which is about the same time I was in the floor rebuking the devil. <laughs> But I pulled out my $50, and I said, well, put this on them. Let me sew this on them. And they rejoiced. I walked out to my little pickup, shoeless, moneyless, but I was not sad. I tell you, I felt like I was walking about that high off the ground. I had heard from God. Brown shoes, Brother Brown. I had heard. From God, and I had been used of God to meet somebody's needs that was believing Him. And the Lord has been faithful to me with shoes. I want you to know. I had to wear those ragged. I wear those raggedy ones for just a little bit longer. But I'm telling you, to this day, people give me shoes. I kid you not. I mean somebody came up to me a few years ago and handed me a credit card, a gold card, and said, you know, go buy some, some nice. Don't buy the cheap ones, buy the really, really expensive ones here. And he said, I'm not taking no for an answer now. I don't want you to do it. Ostrich boots. Got a white pair. Got a nice black pair of what is that? Crocodile. Check these out. I didn't know I was going to be teaching on shoes tonight. These are blue alligators. Didn't give a dime for them. He said, look at that preacher wearing them fancy shoes. I gave less than you did. For yours. <laughs> yeah, blue alligators. Why? But you got to pass tests, don't you? I said, you got to pass tests. The tests of obedience. The tests of faith. Amen. In the wilderness, they were to learn some things quickly and move on through to the land of more than enough. But they didn't. Year after year, 10, 20, 30, 40 years out there still living hand to mouth still living day to day not, not too little but not too much just what you had to have for the check to check and multitudes of Christians are right there today aren't they and thinking they're in Canaan's land <laughs> but they're wilderness level I said they're wilderness level how do you get out well you gotta obey Pass the test. Live by faith. Amen. Amen. Go with me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. <laughs> now, I'm sorry if it offends you that I talk about my blue alligator shoes. <laughs> but I'll make no apology for them. I'm not ashamed of them. Amen. Did you hear me? And there's a truth here that somebody needs to stand up for. Amen. I do. You do. Amen. Not make apologies. And I, I'm just, I'll just go ahead and jump ahead and tell you, if you get serious about what we're talking about and you do it, As a way of life more than you ever have. Then you will be blessed more than you ever have before. And you will be persecuted more than you ever have before. Because there are people that will get fighting mad. To see you riding a new Lexus and praising God. So now you got to be ready to take that part too. It's not what you got. It's how you got it. I said, it's how you got it. I mean, if I take up an offering to build an orphanage and go buy a Ferrari with it, well, that is ungodly and devilish, and I'm in danger of judgment, and I'm a liar and a thief. Right? And That's terrible. But if I sow seed, and I help other people get something, and the Lord gives me one. Amen. Why should I apologize for it? Why should I be embarrassed about it? Try to hide it. That's trying to hide the blessing of the Lord. Not giving Him credit. And if somebody wants to ask about this or that, well, how much money did that cost? I got one question. If anybody wants to talk to me about this, I got one question. What percentage of your income did you give last year? Before we even talk, you've got to be ready for that answer. I didn't say dollar amount. I didn't say how much. I said what percentage of your income did you give? If you gave less than me, then you got no right to ask me any questions about anything. Is that right? Especially if I gave five times the percentage you did, what is it to you? If I got twelve houses... And eight cars, Amen. huh? Right. You know what? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Amen. laughs> Say out loud. It's not what you have. Amen. It's how you got it. Amen. So we're not talking about adding stuff to us. We're not talking about going in debt till we can't see straight. We're talking about sowing and believing God Amen. and Him doing something for us. Amen. Him adding it to us. Amen. Amen. He told them what Canaan's land was supposed to be. You and I need to read it because it's what we're supposed to be living in. Canaan's land. Deuteronomy 6. Verse 1. Deuteronomy 6.1. These are the commandments... The statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land where you go to possess it. That you might fear the Lord your God and keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee this day, you your son, your son's son, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Does it pay to serve God? It can lengthen your life. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it that it may be well with you. And you may increase mightily as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you in the land that flows with milk and honey. Is this where we're supposed to be living today? This is a type of the spiritual blessing of life in Christ right now, right here in the earth. Canaan's land is not a type of heaven, they had to conquer cities. In Canaan's land. They had to overcome the enemy in Canaan's land. They still had to believe God and serve God in Canaan's land. There are no giants to fight in heaven, there are no walls to get down. This is right here and now. Canaan's land is for now. He goes on to say in verse 10. It shall be when the Lord your God shall have brought you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you great and goodly cities which you builded not. And houses full. Somebody needs to say praise God. Houses full of all good things, not junk. If you'd be willing and obedient. You'll hang the cheap pictures on your wall. What? Houses full of all good things which you filled not. And wells digged which you dig not. Vineyards and olive trees which you planted not. What does that mean? You just walked in. You just walked in and said, glory, ain't this nice? God, had somebody built this for me? So, preacher, you're just dreaming. Hey, you come too late to tell me. You come too late. That's like coming to a man, doing the backstroke in the pool, saying, ain't no water in there. He's wet, okay? You cannot tell him any different. You know, the, the Lord said to me years ago, he said, uh, Uh, He said, when you and your wife made the decision to obey me in the ministry, go to school, he said, I set some things in motion for you the same time you made that decision. And he said, you stay on track and you will intersect them. Come to find out the same year we made the decision to go to school, they started building the house that we wound up with. That we got for about 300000 less than what it's worth. If I had time, I'd tell you the testimony. I mean, it's, it's testimony how God put us in there. I was so in... <laughs> I'd like to tell it, but I can't I can't tell everything. <laughs> Said, I set things in motion for you. Are you, re- are you hearing the scripture now? Not just, not just this example. Are you hearing the scripture? Houses you didn't build. Hallelujah. Full yeah. of good things. Yeah. Vineyards you didn't plant. Yeah. Wells you didn't yeah. dig. Yeah. Orchards you didn't plant. Yeah. Cities uh. you didn't build. We, while we were helping somebody else to buy an airplane sewing money into them. I found out later somebody was painting a real nice jet in my ministry colors. I didn't find out about it till later, but it's sitting in the hangar paid for. Let me tell you the latest thing that just happened. It's also the biggest thing. We didn't even know we needed a church. And we went to this place, and we're just, you know, we, we just had a, a, just a witness that we were to go to this, this town, Branson. We'd been there four or five times, Branson, Missouri. And we went up there and just prayed a little bit, and then we left. A couple of weeks later, we felt like we were supposed to go back, so we went back up. And we had this little place rented for a few days, and, and we went in there, and, and Phyllis and I looked at each other, and both of us said at the same time, "We're not supposed to stay here." Didn't know why. So we just—how I many of You don't have to know why. We just turned around and walked out the door. Went back to the place we stayed at the first time. But when we walked in there, Phyllis is registering. And the lady says, we all are back so soon? She said, yeah. She said, what are y'all doing back? She said, well, we're going to ride around and look at some properties and stuff. She said, stay right where you are. Stay, Stay right where you are. Stay. And ran back and got this gentleman who was partner in a property. He described it. So made an appointment to see it the next day. Well, Phyllis went and saw it first. I stayed in and prayed. And after that, she said, you need to come see this. And so... I went and saw it, and it's wonderful. It's big. Ten acres, a whole floor of office space, 2,500-seat auditorium. Nice. And to make a long story short, in two weeks, we signed papers on that deal. And some of the money I needed to do the first part of it was wired to my account ten minutes before I signed. And and listen now, this place is nice. Built in 96. And uh, when when they shut it down, they just shut it down after a a show one night. It's It's a theater. And they just shut it down and everybody walked off and they locked it up and the bank got it and a couple of million worth of lights and sound oh, sitting in there already sound boards front and back I mean you talk about lights I got lights buddy I mean I could I got lights that will run around the, the uh, stage and I mean beams, if you know what those are I mean all kind of stuff I could do a laser show in there <laughs> it's real funny because all the people around there they are uh show people and so the people we got to come in every time we talked about having a service they said well we'll have you ready for your show and it was the show this and the show that all about the show and when i came out i didn't tell them they these guys are sharp but they didn't know about ser- church services so i had them running some of this stuff because i didn't have anybody and so uh there I came out when I walked out a spot hit me Boom! (laughs) (laughs) and they followed me to the piano and I sit down and the house lights went dim and he put some yellow on me and some blue (laughs) I had to tell him whoa whoa Desks, telephones, bookstore with scanning machines and credit card machines. I mean on and on and on. I didn't build it. I didn't put it there. But we're in there. Amen. Glory to God. Thing after thing after thing. God... Has, the moment you said I'm going to serve you the moment you begin to obey him he knew before you were born that you would and he had some things set in motion for you and every time that you begin to obey it sets something else in action you might not see it the day you obeyed but if you'll stay on the right track you'll intersect it amen what are they working on right now for you I said, what are they working on right now for you? This is Canaan's land. This is where we're supposed to be living. Mm-mm-mm. Keep reading. Read it again rather. Verse, verse 10, great and goodly cities which you builded not, houses full of all good things which you filled not, wells digged which you did not, vineyards and of trees which you planted not. When you've eaten and you're full, beware lest you forget the Lord which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. That's also one of the big reasons why you have to pass tests. Because there are some folk. If they had two million in the bank tomorrow, they wouldn't be in church next Sunday. Hmm? They'd be down in the Bahamas. With a little fancy drink in their hand. Huh? And if, you, if, you, if a little money caused you to go crazy, then you don't need it. But that's not God holding it back from you. That's you not being able to handle anything. So you do have to pass tests. Go to the 8th chapter. I've got to wind this up. Eight, chapter 8. Chapter 8. Verse 1. All the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do, that you may live and what? Multiply Multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, and you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would what? Keep Keep his commandments or not. What if they had obeyed right off? Would they have stayed there 40 years? No, they would not. No. And verse 3, He humbled you and suffered or allowed you to get hungry and fed you with manna which you knew not, neither did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. And you do have to learn this. I mean, when when we left and went to Bible school, I had... A few little things that I had always wanted. I always loved motorcycles, and I finally got one. I was working out on the docks, loading freight, making pretty good money, and I, I bought a motorcycle. And I always wanted a hot rod, and I got one. I mean, I had worked on this thing for months and months and months. Every piece. It had a. It was a '37 Ford Coupe, candy apple red. Had a chrome dash, little roll-out windshield. Had an engine that would shake the windows when you drove by and I followed it with a cloth. You know what I'm talking about? And spent way too much time with it, and way too much time thinking about it, and messing with it. And when the Lord dealt with it away, you die to it. Hmm? And when you die to it, then God can give you a resurrection blessing. He can give it back to you once you're dead to it, and it won't hurt you, and it won't hinder you. Amen. Amen. And the blessing of the Lord, it what? Make it, it makes rich and, and it adds no sorrow to it. Now see, you add a bunch of stuff to yourself. You, you get car-itis, clothes-itis, ring-itis, house-itis, and you go sign your life away for 900 easy payments. And it's a, it's a yoke around your neck. It's a burden to you. Hmm? And you're working to support your habit. Did you hear me? You're working for that house. You're working for this thing. And it has you. You don't have it. It's ruling you. And you're serving stuff. Oh, but friend, there's a better way. There's a better way. There's a better way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. What did He say? What did He say? All... These things will will be added. That's not you doing it. That's Him doing it. And when He does it, it's a blessing. It's it's not a burden. It's not a yoke. It just makes you rich. Truly rich. And no sorrow, no penalty with it. Can you say amen? Is this making sense? Is this... This is a highway. This is Cana's land. This is what we've been called to. But you got to pass the test. I said you got to pass the test. So I did. We walked off. I left that thing sitting in the yard. ER. Boy, you didn't want to do that. Thinking about boy, them chrome wheels will rust. <laughs> Your tires will dry rot. Right? Well, if you don't start that engine and run it every so often, you know, cylinders could rust. The cylinders could rust. You understand that before that, sometimes I'd spend half a day sandblasting an alternator bracket. (laughs) And then priming it and painting it so that it all matched. I remember I was rubbing the hood of a car one day, shining it for the nth time. And, And this was after I was in the ministry. And the Lord said to me, he said, son, if you don't quit spending so much time with this thing, I'm going to regret I'll let you have it. <laughs> All right, then I'm just going to go in the house right now. <laughs> <laughs> he don't care what you have. He'll give you more than you know what to do with. If, if. He is number one, number one, and you'll give any of it away like that. Mm-hmm. You'll let it go, you'll liquidate it. I mean, we've just had to do that. We're in Tulsa. Been there for twenty years. Believed God and went to the little apartment on Shoot 'em up alley in the rough part of town. I mean, we believed God to get there. You understand what I'm talking about? We we I'm not joking. It took all the faith we had to get to the dumpy apartment with the motorcycle gang on one side and a massage parlor at the other end. You know what part of town I'm talking about. And eventually we moved up to a nicer apartment. And then we moved up to a nicer apartment. And then we moved to a rent house. I'm not talking about in a year. You understand this is years up. And then we bought our own house, small house. And then, glory to God, God put us in a house capital H and, and with the airplane I don't know if you understand but I mean you got maintenance you got all this stuff that goes with this and, and, and I believe God I went out there on the airport and prayed and, and I talked to people and, and the Lord over a course of a year gave me my own airplane hangar I don't know if you know about that but that's that's happening you understand Paid, can you say paid for? Paid, paid for. for. Paid for. Very cool. I pull up in my airplane, open the door, pull it inside. Get in my car that was parked in my hangar, drive home. Got my own bathroom and offices in my own hangar. And I can just sit there and look out the door. But, and you know some other stuff that I won't go into. That the Lord blessed us. But we believed God over a period of years, and uh, the Lord is with us. Go to Branson. Branson's kind of a small place. The airport's short. They won't let you have your own hangar. It's got a cliff on both ends. We've got to leave your house. got to leave all your stuff. We're thinking, we've already done this one time. But with God, it never ends. Did you hear me? The one thing you can count on, if He says turn something loose, He's got something excessive for you. And so my friends asked my wife. They said, "You're not leaving your house that you finally believe God for." She said, "I gotta go. We're not missing God over a house." And so we've left everything again, and are living in a place that we don't enjoy too much right now. But oh, when you lay down at night, and you know you're doing what God told you to do, Amen. And you're seeing things happening. That's worth more than all the houses and all the hangers and cars. God will give me better. He'll give me... You watch. Next time I see you, I'll be telling you about some other things. Amen? Because did Jesus or did He not say, you need to look at this. Mark 10, and I think I'm closing. Mark 10. You know, I'm not with you all the time, so... While I'm here, I got to, I don't want to short you. I don't want to. (laughs) What the Apostle Paul said to some of his folks, he said, I didn't withhold anything from him. Sometimes I've been preaching all night (laughs) He did, didn't he? He did. You know, I was in a meeting one night that was running long, And I was kind of fidgety and kind of ready to go. And, you know, I was thinking, all right, all right, come on, let's wind this thing up. I'm going to go. And the Lord asked me, he said, why are you in a rush? What are you in a rush to get to? What are you leaving and what are you going to? He said, you're leaving people talking about the word and you're leaving people praying and you're leaving people praising so you can go to turn on the TV and pull something out of the refrigerator. I thought, well, like always you are correct, are you? You're right. So I'm just going I'm just going to relax a little bit. Just sit here and relax. Mark the 10th chapter. Story of the rich young ruler. He thought he was blessed, but didn't realize what God had for him. Canaan's land awaited him. The real thing. But he had too much of his faith in his stuff and his money. And when the Lord said, all right, turn that loose. I want you to go help the poor out with that. And then come follow me. He didn't say take a vow of poverty. He didn't say you'll be broke the rest of your life. He just said obey me with this. But he would not do it. Scripture said he had great riches. And he went went away sad. Wouldn't do it. Failed the test. And Peter... And the others looked at Jesus in verse 28, and he said, uh, he began to say, Lo, we have left all. Mark 10, 28. We have left all and have followed you. Is that the way to do it? That's weak. I said, is that the way to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say to you, there is no man, nobody, that's left a house, or a brother, or a sister, or a father, or a wife, mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold houses, lands, wouldn't that be excessive? Excessive? Folks say you don't take that literally. I absolutely do. Do take it. I've seen you know what I what I walked away from in Mississippi? My little thirty seven Ford Coup had a nineteen sixty nine Marriott mobile home. It was not nice. Genuine imitation black leather and red red velvet imitation velvet drapes. It was not, not too nice. But it's all I had. And I left it. And you know, in 20 years' time, God gave me a, a nice place. hundredfold of that? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> probably more like 300fold, 500fold. Now that I think about it, probably a thousandfold. And mothers, I left my family. We left it. And God has given me mothers. He's given me fathers like Kenneth Hayden. Amen. And multiplied. And brothers and sisters like you. I'd have never met you. Hmm? If I'd have stayed there with my little hot rod. <laughs> Thought I couldn't turn it loose. Hmm? which excites me, because I just left some nice stuff. <laughs> I said, we just left some extremely, a hundredfold of that. I'm going to have to come back and tell you about it. I mean, that's, we may have to take pictures of that, because that's going to be something. And I said, you, you, you believe it? I, yeah, absolutely. 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 Amen. What about you? Does it work for you? I said, does it work for you? Are you willing to pass the tests? Are you willing to obey God? Are you willing for Him to wake you up in the middle of the night and tell you about some church member, some man or woman in this church here that they're having trouble with their car payments and He wants you to go pay it off for? Of? Hmm? And you say, Lord, I was saving that for my fast boat. Or I was saving that to put down on my condo. I was saving that for this or that. Here's the test. Or you going you, you want to make another round in the wilderness? You want to live in the hand-to-mouth, check-to-check for another ten years? Where, where do you? Hmm. Hmm. Obey. Him. I said, obey him. Do what he tells you to do. He brings to your mind a missionary. Help buy them a boat. Help get them in a house. Help them build a church. Hmm. Yeah, but does that money I had set aside for this. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But anything you let go, anything you walk away from, anything you turn loose for His sake, for the Gospel's sake, for kingdom business' sake. Tell me what He said. Read it. Read it. Come on. Read it. Read it. There's no man that has left house, brother, sister, father, mother, wife, children, lands for my sake, And for the Gospels, he shall receive a hundredfold now, now, now in this. You can't say it any plainer. Yeah, but now, Brother Key, that just may be talking about spiritual. But can you read houses? Can you read? Can you read? It's amazing how people try to explain everything away. Now, in this, are you reading with me, friends? Come on. Now, in this time, houses. 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 House here. House in Florida. House in the mountains. Houses. Brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and Lanza. Lanza. Land. say, I, mean, I ain't got no land at all. I've been believing in God for an efficiency apartment. That's all right. But that don't mean you gotta stay there. You can start there and then you can go up. And then you can go up. And then you can go up if you can pass the tests. If you'll obey God. If you'll do what He said. Day in, day out. Feel good, feel bad. Whether it seems easier, it seems... Has the Lord ever asked you, is this a good time? (laughs) He has never asked me that. Never. (laughs) Never. There's been many a time He dealt with me, do this, and I thought, that will clean out my account, Lord. That will flat clean out my... And I was... I got this coming up in a month. And that was only half of it. Now you ought to get a clue right there. Hmm? You're going to have to believe for some more anyhow. Right? And it's so much easier to believe God when you obey God. And you'll find that many, many times when it's not enough to meet the need, it is enough for a seed. That you can plant that God can use to meet the need. But I've never had him sit down and say to me, Keith, is this a good time? So many times, it wasn't a good time in the natural. It wasn't. I got all this stuff going on. But everybody say, pass the test. Pass the test. And enter into the, rest. enter into the rest. Say it again. Pass the test. Pass the test. Enter, into the enter into the rest. What is the rest? Canaan's land. The land of rest. land of plenty. The land of excess. The land that flows with milk and honey. The land of too much. Stand up on your feet, why don't you? Let me pray over you. hmm, Bless you, Lord. Somebody place something, if you would, softly. Glory to God. Why don't you close your eyes. Let's just lift our hands and thank God a little bit. Praise Him and bless Him for the good things He has planned for us. Tell the Lord that you know it is not His will that you've lived on barely get along. Tell Him that you know that. It's not His fault. It's not His will that you've scrimped along and scraped along. Oh, Father, praise You. Come on, praise Him a little bit. Praise You. Praise You. Hallelujah. Oh, praise You. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. Listen to me, if you would, just a moment. Now, I'm I'm just saying this like I'm talking, but this is really more prophecy than it is just me talking. If you put yourself in a position to be an answer to somebody's prayer, that is for God to use you to meet their need, it gives God a legal right to deal with somebody else to give to you to meet your needs and he said if you give it would be given to you and men would give to your bosom that give to you are you expecting and are you believing that people will give to you Many in this in this room have been weak in this area. You have not been expecting it. You have not said you expect to work and get a check. You expect something to come through only specific avenues, but the Lord said He said, If you give, people will get not just pay you for a job done, they will give to you. That's unearned, unmerited, give to you. First of all, you have to obey. You have to obey. When He says somebody's believing Him, they're standing for something, and He taps you on the shoulder, and He says, you give them this, you pay this, then you become an answer to their prayer. You become used of God, a channel that He can use in the earth to meet their needs. Now, you've obeyed. It gives Him a legal right to deal with somebody in the nighttime that doesn't even know you. And oftentimes people who do know you and bring your face up before them until they have to search you out and find you and give you money. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. People are going to obey. I sense this in my spirit. People in this place and others are going to obey and there's going to be given on an unprecedented scale. I'm talking about to God and I'm talking about to each other. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And a while ago when we was praying, Pastor, I just saw it in my spirit. Somebody, and, and more than one, somebody's coming and giving some large offerings. Underwriting projects that you, that you planned and that you're working on. Underwriting them. Just, it's done. Boom. Just like that. Glory Glory to God. So, don't be afraid to dream big. Don't be afraid to think big. Because it needs to be happening in all directions. God's going to deal with some people. Some people that are not even here. He's going to deal with them about some of these projects we're talking about. As well as some people that are here. But then because they have done that, God is going to deal with other people about them and they're going to look at them. You'll be standing in a car dealership and they'll look at you and go, you know, I don't know why I'm doing this. (laughs) But we're we're going to do this. You'll be talking to somebody about a house deal. You'll be sitting at the table and they'll look at you and go, you know, I'm new to all this, but I couldn't sleep last night. I kept thinking about you. And don't tell anybody. Please don't tell anybody. But we're going to do this. For you. On this house. Everybody say it out loud. I'm a giver. I obey God. God. When He deals with me. me. I I obey. I obey. Promptly. Willingly, gladly, I'm a giver. And because I am, God is dealing with people to give to me. Say that again. God is dealing with people to give to me money, favor, deals. God is dealing with people right now. To give to me. Amen. Release your faith in that. I didn't make that up. That's the scripture. That's Luke 6.38. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh my, my, my. We need to praise Him some more. Come on and thank Him some more. Oh, Father we bless you. We praise you. We glorify your holy name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God is dealing with people to give me money. You need to say that. Not just right now. Only. But tonight. And tomorrow morning. You need to sing a new song. On your way to work in the morning. God is dealing with people to give me money. God is dealing with people to give me things. God is dealing with people to give me favor. God is dealing with people for me. God is dealing with people to give me money. God is dealing with people to give me things. God is dealing with people to give me favor. God is dealing with people for me. Confess why. And why is He able to do that? Because when He deals with you, you do it. Amen. You do it. You obey. If you want other people to obey quickly, then how do you obey? Quickly. Amen. Glory to God. I could go on, but I don't think I need to. Praise God. Pastor, come on before I get started again. Praise the Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today, free of charge, by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge,